when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. Listening to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SilverAndBlackToday.com. And now your host, Evan Grote. Let's go, Raider Nation. You are listening to the Week 13 preview episode of Just Pod Baby. I'm your host, Evan Grote. Glad to have you with me this week as the Raiders once again travel to the Eastern Time Zone to take on the 0 11 New York Jets. Just Pod Baby is powered by Silver and Black Today. Make sure you head over to the website. Some really good content up there right now. Nick Cothrill, our guy Mo Moten, really killing it over at the website lately. Check out their latest pieces that are up right now. Mo has a great one out. I read it today. Raiders need more than a win to shake off the embarrassing loss. It's a great read, so I encourage you to all to go over there and uh, check it out if you have not done so. Also, make sure you're heading over to manscaped.com for the best in men's below-the-waist grooming equipment. You need to get yourself their latest product, the Lawnmower 3.0. It's a premium product for sure with their skin-safe technology, the LED light. As I mentioned, it's waterproof as well. I love it. I bring it in the shower with me. And the docking station is really, really cool as well. So be sure to use the promo code PODBABY to save yourself 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Before I get into the rundown uh, for the show tonight, I do want to take a moment to make a, a brief announcement, and I'd like to thank you, the listeners, as well. Last week, I was informed by Feedspot.com. They run a blog, and they did a ranking. They ranked the top 20 Las Vegas Raiders podcasts you must follow in 2020, and I'm proud to announce that Just Pod Baby cracked the top 10. I was listed at number 9, or I should say we were listed at number 9. Uh, I'm really excited to make that announcement, and none of it would be possible without you, the listeners, and the subscribers, the people out there that that really follow the show and have been loyal listeners from day one. So again, I, I thank you very much for that. Also, Silver and Black Today with Scott and Q, the radio show, uh, they also made the list at number three. Now, uh, you know that that Silver and Black Today also has the podcast feed, so uh, if you can't hear the show live... Make sure that you're subscribing uh, to Silver and Black today, the podcast feed as well, and you can catch up on the show anytime you want. I use it a lot because I can't always hear the show live, but I'm always making sure that I, I catch up with, with the show on the podcast. And and then Q Myers, um, another member of the Silver and Black Today family, who is Scott's co-host, uh, he he also hosts his own daily podcast. I'm sure many of you are aware of that, the Lockdown Raiders podcast, and he was ranked at number four. So we're really kicking some butt here at Silver and Black today. Three shows ranked in the top ten. That's really great news. I'm definitely proud to be a part of the team. So I just thought that uh, I would relay that information to you guys as well. And again, thank you very much for your support. Now, as far as tonight's show is concerned, we will be discussing what the Raiders need to do on Sunday to get the bad taste out of their mouth from last week's embarrassing loss to the Falcons. What is it going to take Raider Nation? We will talk about it and I will also give you a quick rundown of the Jets offense and defense and in segment two I will give you the lowdown on their injury report as I always do on the on the preview episode. We'll take a look at the Thursday report for both teams and our special guest this week is Jets beat writer Brian Costello from the New York Post. 
But tonight, we begin with the task at hand this week, and that is getting a win against the Jets. With the loss last week that the Raiders suffered to Atlanta, they've really put themselves in a a very, very difficult situation uh, as far as their hopes to make the playoffs. Mo and I discussed it Monday night on the recap, and I still think, I'm standing firm, I still think it's going to take 10 wins uh, to get into the playoffs, and that means they have to go four and one in the final five games in the year. Now, some people think that nine and seven can maybe still get it done. I don't. I just don't see it. I mean, anything is possible. Um, but in that scenario, they would need a lot of help from some other teams, I think. And also in that scenario, they would absolutely have to have wins against Indianapolis next week in Miami on December 26th, which I'm sure you've also heard by now was moved to a, a Saturday night primetime slot. Uh, let's all hope that there is a lot on the line for both teams that game when Week 16 comes around because that would be a fantastic little holiday treat for us. But again, I don't want to look ahead too much. Uh, l- let's just focus on this week and, and getting a win against the Jets and getting things back on track. Now, of course... All of that does not mean a whole lot if the Raiders do not come out and take care of business on Sunday, uh, this Sunday. This team needs a win badly to get that sour taste out of their mouth from last week. The fan base needs it to get our minds right. So the question I want to ask you guys is, uh, what is it going to take? What is it going to take in your mind? Do you need to see a dominant 30-point win by the Raiders? Is that what it's going to take? Do you need to see Derek Carr come out and redeem himself? for maybe 250 yards passing, a couple of touchdowns? Does this offense need to be able to score at will? And do you need to see this defense get after the quarterback, force some turnovers, maybe some sacks? Is that what is that what it's going to take for you? What is it going to take for us to feel better? As I mentioned at the top, our guy Mo Moten, who's with me on Monday nights as the co-host, his latest piece up at Silver and Black today, it talks a lot about this very topic right here. What if the Raiders, let's talk about a hypothetical. What if the Raiders just squeak by 27-24 or 24-20, right? Kind of squeak by, they win the game, sure. Is that going to be convincing enough for you? I see that Vegas right now has the Raiders as the 8.5 point favorites. That's not a huge number. I would have suspected it would have been a little higher. It's not. Is, are you willing to just accept a win? Is, it, is a win a win at this point? Just just survive in advance. Is that where you're at right now? Or are you going to be more concerned about the process, how they go about getting the win? For me, I think it's a little bit of both. I want to see that they win the game, but I'm, I'm also very concerned about the process and how they get there. I'll take any win, of course, right now, because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. They got to stack together some wins here. Four is the number I think, four out of five. But I'll be honest, if they just barely get by and they look sloppy again, the offensive line doesn't protect Carr this week, which I think is going to be a big factor for this team going down the the final five games. Can they protect Carr? Because they've been very good. If the Jets are able to move the ball up and down the field on this defense, that's not going to make me feel very good. I'm going to have some major concerns going forward the remaining four games if this team cannot go out there and do some of these things a little bit better than they did last week. I not only need to see a win, but I need to see a clean performance. The penalties last week, that was a killer. 
And it's an area that they've been pretty good this season. But it, they got to clean it up this week. No turnovers. Five is enough turnovers to last us for a, a, a few weeks. I don't want to see any turnovers this week. Protect the ball. Protect the quarterback. Make good decisions with the ball. How about offense efficiency on third down, right? Three of 12 last week. That's got to get better. You have to be able to convert on third down. It extends drives, keeps the defense off the field, gives them a rest. And I need to see a performance with limited self-inflicted wounds. Cannot beat yourself. And if they can do that this week, they should be fine. And if they can continue to do these things the next five weeks, they should also be fine. So that's what I'm looking for this week, Raider Nation. That's what it's going to take to get the bad taste out of my mouth. Now, I saw a tweet the other day by Vic Tafer. Of course, he's the Raiders beat writer for The Athletic. He pointed out that the Jets, they have been getting beat by an average of 15 points this year. So to me, that's that's a starting point right there. I know Vegas has the line at 8.5. I would say at least two touchdowns. I say nothing less than a two-touchdown win, and they have to look clean and efficient in doing so. That's what I'm looking for. Now, before we get to a break, just a quick little rundown on the Jets. Let's start with their offense. Not many weapons that blow you away on paper, guys. Listen, they're they're 0-11 for a reason, right? There's not a lot of talent on this roster. I would say the strength has to lie with the wide receivers. They don't have anyone out there that, that can't be held in check by the Raiders secondary. I do like Jamison Crowder. He's actually on my fantasy team. He was one of my later picks who has not done much lately. He had a couple of 100-yard games early in the season. He's really seen his production drop recently. They've also got the rookie Denzel Mims out of Baylor. He battled through some injuries early on in the season, but he has really shown that you know he, he will have a bright future in this league. I think he's going to be a good little player in the league. And then you can't forget about Brashard Perryman. He's kind of bounced around the league with a couple different teams. He's still a young guy, 27 years old, and he's been active the last few weeks as well, catching three touchdowns in the past four games. So keep an eye on him as well. Um, if there is an area where I think the Jets could give the Raiders issues, and I'm not saying they will, I'm saying they could, if they could, or if they do, I think it could be through the air. I, I think the Raiders have shown that they, they've they been susceptible to um, teams who can throw on them. Last week, I think we saw that. The secondary, uh, Arnett, we'll talk more about it in the injury report, but he he's, was going through the concussion protocol. He did practice. Isaiah Johnson, he popped up on the injury report. So they're still not 100% healthy in the secondary. So that could be an area. Um, Sam Darnold, the quarterback, uh, I want to talk about him a little bit. He struggled mightily this season, and he's played seven games this year. He's dealt with some shoulder injuries as well. He's completing 57.6% of his passes with only three touchdowns and eight interceptions, so not a very good ratio there. He's really just had a miserable season, and I, and I kind of feel bad for the guy. Uh, I really do. The, the ageless wonder, Frank Gore, is the primary ball carrier. You know, listen, he was once a really, really great back and I respect the man in his in his career. It's a Hall of Fame career, but he should be a non-factor in this game. Okay, uh, if if Jamison Crowder and Frank Gore are your best weapons on offense, uh, you've got problems. Obviously, they're 0-11, and the Raiders should have no problem 
uh, stopping this offense. Behind Gore is LaMichael P. Ryan. He's a decent-looking rookie out of Florida. Uh, but like I said, if they're able to move the ball, I think it will be through the air with that trio of wide receivers. They're very bad also on third down. They convert only 31% of the time. I talk a lot about that stat. I think it's a really important stat, both for the offense and the defense. They struggle in that area. They have the least amount of total yardage in the league. They don't move the ball well, and an average, a league low, 13.8 points per game. So to say this is an opportunity for the Raiders defense to get right would be an understatement, okay? They absolutely have to get right this week, and if they don't, red flags, that's all I can say. Now, taking a look at the defense for the Jets, they give up a lot of yards through the air, 284 yards per game. On average, they allow 26 completions per game. That's a lot. That's a lot of completions. 7.7 yards per completion, which is bottom four in the NFL. Now, however, as a uh, defense, they're pretty good against the run. Their run defense falls just outside the top 10. They're actually ranked 11. They allow 111 yards per game, which, you know, that's not great. That's not great, but that is their strength, okay? And it, and it does rank them just outside the top 10. I do expect this will be a big Derek Carr game. Uh, he should he should be able to, to get back on track here. Maybe even my guy, Henry Ruggs, who I've been talking a lot about the last few weeks. Maybe this is a game where he can get loose, make a big play, get a score, okay? Make me, make, make me a happy Raider fan. Uh, the Jets do start three rookies in the secondary, which is a big problem for them, okay? Um, Bryce Hall, Lamar Jackson, and Ashton Davis at safety. Now, speaking of Ashton Davis, I really liked him uh, in this year's draft class coming out of Cal. He's a former track athlete as well at Cal, really super athlete. But anyhow, the point is the Jets' defense, much like the offense and the coaching and the special teams, they're not very good, Okay. Uh, so I do expect this is a game where the Raiders definitely have a, have a strong bounce back game. So there is a quick rundown of the Jets. I'm going to step aside now for a quick break, and when I return, I will go through the Thursday injury report, and we will chat with Jets beat writer Brian Costello from the New York Post. We are back. Week 13 preview episode, Just Pod Baby. I'm your host, Evan Grote. The Raiders are looking to get back on track against the Jets this week. Should not be a difficult task considering the season the Jets have had, but I will say one thing before I get to the injury report, and I was thinking a lot about this today, actually. Let's all go back to the 2014 season for just a second. I'm sure you guys all remember that one, Derek Carr's rookie season. The Raiders started out 0-10 and finally picked up their first win on Thursday night football against the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs were 7-3 and three at the time, okay? So it was week 11 when the Raiders got their first win. And, you know, I'm not trying to make any comparisons between that 2014 Raiders team and this Jets team other than the fact that at some point the Jets might catch someone slipping and, you know, just like the Raiders did in 2014. Now, I don't re- recall you know, the spread of the game or even the feeling going into the game. Obviously, the Chiefs were a better team at 7-3. and three. Uh, So I can't or I can't say for certain that, uh, you know, how big of an underdog the Raiders were. 
But I do know that the Raiders did win a game that they weren't supposed to, to win. So that could also happen for the Jets. Now, luckily for the Raiders, they had their wake-up call last week. So the Jets might have to find someone else on their schedule to get that first win against. I think the Raiders will be safe. Now, let me pull up the injury report for Thursday. Uh, we'll begin with the Jets. And really, you know, as I'm looking through it, I don't see anything real notable. I did see that um, George Fant, one of their offensive linemen, he was he did not participate on Wednesday with a knee and an ankle injury. He did get a limited practice in on Thursday, so he will most likely be in the lineup for them. Other than that, I see another offensive lineman, Connor McGovern. He uh, is dealing with an elbow. He was limited on Wednesday, but was full practice on Thursday, so he should be good to go as well. Brashad Perryman, one of those uh, trio of wide receivers that I mentioned, he was limited both days. He's dealing with a shoulder. And the only other one I see, well, Frank Gore, he's listed, but it's not injury-related, so it's more like a veteran's day off for him. So nothing real notable with the Jets. But then you go over to the Raiders, and they've got a whole bunch of guys listed on this report as they've had all season okay I call it the bones the bones pile when I played high school football my head coach used to call it the bones pile the guys who were not able to practice um a couple notable ones that have me a bit concerned Jonathan Abram with a knee did not participate Thursday and also did not participate Wednesday so we'll have to wait and see what he can get done on Friday but not looking good at this point. Nelson Aguilar, also with an ankle injury. He did not practice Wednesday or Thursday as well. Damon Arnett, who we know left the game last week. He was in the concussion protocol. Gruden did say that he was feeling good, and all signs are looking good for him as well. He did get a limited practice in on Thursday after not participating in practice on Wednesday. Malik Collins, that's a big one that I want to mention. Well, not really a big one. He hasn't done much all year, but he's going to be placed on the short-term IR. Gruden talked about that yesterday in his press conference. He's listed with a hamstring and ankle on the report, but Gruden talked about a shoulder injury, so I'm not really sure what the deal is with that, but he'll be down uh, for some time. And Denzel Good, who was banged up last week, did not participate on Wednesday, but he did get a limited practice in on uh, Thursday, he's dealing with that ankle injury that he suffered last week. Rodney Hudson, he was uh, listed as with a knee. Did not participate Monday or Wednesday, excuse me. He did practice in full today. He'll be good to go. Maurice Hurst did not participate on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. He continues to deal with that ankle injury that he had a couple weeks ago. Ingold, we know he's dealing with broken ribs, fractured ribs, was a full go. Gabe Jackson, full go. After not practicing on Wednesday, Josh Jacobs did not participate either day this week, Wednesday or Thursday. And that's a question I'd like to ask you guys. And I, I wonder where you stand. Should they should they go with Josh Jacobs this week if he's not 100%? Or would they be wise to sit him out? They should get Jalen Richard back this week. He was he was he fell ill before the game last week, so they should be okay with Booker. And Richard, do you think it would be wise to to sit Jacobs out for this one? Do you feel confident that they can get it done without Jacobs? Nick Kwiatkowski, he was also listed on the report, but he did get a limited practice in today with an ankle. And that about 
rounds it out. Isaiah Johnson, I do want to mention him. He is dealing with a growing injury, and he was also limited today. So we know the secondary suffered some injuries last week with Mullen, who did return to the game. Um, Johnson, who is banged up with the growing. And then, as I mentioned, uh, who is it? Uh, Arnett. <laughs> Sorry, I had a brain fart there. Yeah, Damon Arnett, he left the game as well. Uh, with the concussion and the good news is they should get LaMarcus Joyner back this week as well as Clue Farrell so they may be without a couple guys on the defense but they should get a couple guys back as well so that is the injury report for Thursday week 13 Jets versus the Raiders and now we go out to the guest line and welcome in Jets beat writer from the New York Post, Brian Costello. Thanks for hopping on the line with me tonight, Brian. Uh, how are you holding up? I know this is not the most ideal season to be covering the Jets. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a rough one. You know, there's a lot of unhappy people that you have to talk to and you have to ask some uh, unpleasant questions about going possibly 0-16 and every week asking them kind of the same stuff about trying to get that first win and how they're dealing with it and all that kind of stuff. So it's been been a, a long 2020 for a lot of reasons and uh, rather yet it's especially been long it feels like yeah absolutely now the Raiders they, they've had their fair share of, of losing seasons recently as well so I do yeah. kind of understand where where Jets fans are coming from but one of the things I do wonder about when when you're dealing with a team that is winless through 11 games uh, and and in the case of the Jets they have a coach that will most likely be fired uh, at the end of the season, are the players still motivated right now? Are they still going out there and playing hard for Adam Gase at, at 0-11? Yeah, it seems like it. The Dolphins game last week wasn't quite as good of a showing as they had the previous two games. They had um, played the Patriots on Monday night, which probably some of your listeners watched, and they were leading by 10 points going in the fourth quarter and then blew that game. And then against the Chargers, uh, they played pretty well. They ended up losing by six points. They, they got behind pretty big early, but they came back and they fought. So I thought they were playing hard that game. The Miami game, you know, it's hard to judge if it's effort or just skill uh, a lot of times, but I haven't gotten the sense that they've packed it in. It's a younger team. And then so they play in 10 rookies. Uh, these are, these aren't like, it's not a veteran team where guys are going to quit on them. <laughs> they've obviously they've traded away. Most of the veterans are getting rid of them already. So, uh, you know, I will say it's hard, um, not being in the locker room this year because of COVID to get a full sense of the team. I'm just pretty much going by what I see during the games. Now I want to ask you about Adam Gase. Uh, could you please explain to us what is going on with the play calling duties for the Jets? From what I understand, there seems to be some sort of joint effort happening right now between Gase and yeah. offensive coordinator uh, Dowell Loggins. Yes. Gase has always called the plays uh, in Miami. He called the plays always, and then last year he called all the plays. And through the first seven games, six games this year, he called the plays, and obviously it wasn't working. They were losing games every week, so he decided to try to try to mix things up, and he gave Dow Loggins play calling duties, and he he kind of wanted to take a broader view and be more involved in the defense, special teams, um, for a while. And yeah, so Loggins called the plays against Buffalo. Uh, in October, and I think gradually each week, Gase is taking a little bit more back. <laughs> and so, my understanding, you know, last week uh, was about 50-50 against the Dolphins. And I'm not clear, you know, they're, they're being, they don't want us to know exactly what it is. It's, you know, some people, one person might call third down, one person might be calling 
uh, two-minute offense, that kind of stuff. They're dividing it like that. But it's become a story because, well, first against the Chargers, it looked like Gase was calling the plays in the second half, and he later said he was. It's that he, he was relaying the plays into the quarterback, so that Lobbins would talk to him, and then he would talk to the quarterback, which is sort of what Kansas City does with Reed and the enemy. But then uh, this week, it looked like from the start that, that Gase was calling the plays, and there had been a report by ESPN earlier in the day that he was calling the plays, but later he said no, that um, you know, it was actually a joint effort between him and Lobbins. Frankly, no. Evan, I think it's a dumb story. <laughs> but it doesn't matter who's calling the plays. The plays stink. <laughs> but, and, you know, at this point, it's 0-11. But everything, when a, team, when a team is this bad, everything gets magnified. If they were winning, nobody would care about the play-calling situation. That, that's a good point you make there. And, and I guess one other follow-up I have to that. Has Gase ever, has he been asked the question, like what was the logic behind the idea of, of having one guy call, you know, uh, red zone plays versus one guy call third down play? Like I've never really heard of that idea of, of you know, um, coaches calling plays for specific situations. I know that offensive staff usually game plans prior yeah. to the week, but I've never heard of this strategy. I've heard of it on defense, Evan. You know, Rex used to do this. Rex Ryan did this. Rex, Rex Ryan would sometimes do third down defense and then let the defense coordinator do the rest, or he would do the red zone. So I've heard of that. <laughs> Frankly, I think they're trying anything. They're just they're the 32nd offense in the NFL. So, you know, if they let you call the plays this week, go ahead. Try anything. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's a matter of just, you know, they're all on 11, like, I, I'm okay with them trying anything on conventional at this point. They got to figure out a way to switch this around. So I think the theory was, you know, maybe we'll work on the play calling. And I think, you know, when when Adam Gates first did it and first gave the play calling to Dow Loggins, he completely removed himself. And I'm not sure that was the smartest thing in the world because, you know, he has a lot of experience calling plays and Loggins doesn't. I think he could have helped him more. And I think he was worried about kind of looking over his shoulder, so to speak. So gradually, I think they've come to more of an understanding where, you know, Gates has Gates feels like he has his strengths, Loggins has his strengths, and they're trying to work together. Yeah, interesting uh, little piece of information you had there about Rex Ryan. I wasn't aware that uh, that's how he handled his uh, defensive coordinator duties yeah, as well. Yeah, sometimes, not all the time. I'm curious. I'm actually curious. You know, and I think there's going to be a subject that people are going to talk about. Kansas City. The big question with Kansas City in terms of. Eric Bieniemy, right? He's going to be the hot coaching candidate. He's probably going to be coaching candidate here in New York. How much does he call the plays, right? Like everyone kind of says, is it Andy? Right? And Kansas City always says it's a collaborative effort. And if you watch their sideline, Reed, Reed's talking into the headset, then Bieniemy's the one who calls the plays into Mahomes. You know, I have to imagine that Bieniemy's calling some plays there. And I think before him, Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson also has a similar setup. Like they, when when Reed get, gets asked about that, he always says it's kind of a it's, a it's a group effort of calling the plays. Yeah, joining us tonight on Just Pod Baby is our guest Brian Costello from the the New York Post. I, I want to ask you about the quarterback Sam Darnold. Just today, I was reading uh, an article about Adam Gase. He t- he spoke with the media today, and he admitted that he has not done enough to help with the development yeah. of Sam Darnold. That's what he was brought in to do. That's what he's known as, as a quarterback guru. But in your, in your opinion, where has the organization failed the most in regards to Darnold and his development? It's, it's a lot of areas. I mean, in my opinion, the most is personnel around him. Um, you know, they just haven't done a good enough job on the offensive line, building that up to protect him. And uh, at receiver, you know, 
he doesn't really have the greatest receivers in the world. Um, so you look at some of these teams, uh, you know, Buffalo is a pretty easy comparison since they're in the same division in the same draft class. Look what Buffalo has given Josh Allen to work with versus what the Jets have given Sam Darnold. You know, uh, Stephon Diggs this year, John Brown last year, Cole Beasley. Um, you know, they, they rebuilt their offensive line. The Jets just really haven't had – they haven't done a good job of building around Sam Darnold. Um, obviously, the coaching has not worked. You know, Adam Gates, like you said, he took his, his share of the blame. And I think Sam Darnold deserves some blame, too. Uh, I don't think Sam is blameless here. Um, you know, I, he hasn't played very well. And, you know, I, he, right now it's hard to see that he can kind of be what everyone projected him to be out of USC. Now, are you just saying that with the Jets, or do you think if he, let's say they do move on from Darnold this season, they draft yeah. Trevor Lawrence, let's say Darnold uh, latches on with a new team, do you think a, a, a fresh start would, would be something good for, for Darnold? I think it would be good for him. You know, my my thing is with, with most quarterbacks, and there's a few elite guys that are not in this category, and there are a few terrible guys who are not in this category. Most quarterbacks in the NFL, if they make it to the NFL, they'll do pretty well if they're on a team with a good offensive line and they have good weapons around them and a good system and a good defense to complement them. Like, I saw Mark Sanchez here, right? 2009-2010, Mark Sanchez went to the AFC Championship game and because it was a really good, solid team around him, and Mark was good. He was good enough. And uh, then when the team deteriorated, Mark wasn't as good. <laughs> so, and I think that's the case. I, I don't know. You tell me about Derek Carr. I know there's been ups and downs with Derek Carr, um, when he has a good team around him, it looks like to me Derek Carr is pretty good. I'm not sure Derek Carr is the type of quarterback that's going to carry a franchise. Like if Patrick Mahomes is obviously you know someone that's carrying a franchise or Aaron Rodgers. Um, Sam Darnold to me is not going to be that kind of guy. But I do think if he goes somewhere and, and has a good system around him, and he, I think he kind of needs to hit reset and and just kind of get somewhere fresh and clear his head that he'll have some, he could have some success. Um, similar to what we've seen with some guys when they they change addresses. Yeah, you you made a you were you were one hundred percent on the money there with your assessment of Derek Carr. That was that was spot on. He's not the type of guy, in, in my opinion, I've you know watched every snap he's taken in his career with the yeah. Raiders. He, he he isn't a guy that I think uh, can can carry a huge load. He has to have a, a pretty good situation around him. Now, I do want to ask you one other question about the offense with the Jets. Uh, I know that they struggled to score points this year throughout the season. They've only averaged thirteen point eight points per game uh if you yeah. had to if you had to pick one one bright spot on the offense what do, you, what do you believe is the strength on that side of the ball strength or bright spot which one do you want because i'm not sure they're the same thing let's go with strength <laughs> that's a hard that's the harder one <laughs> they i'm making you work well. brian i'm making you work yeah, hard they, tonight <laughs> they, they haven't done anything well Evan. i mean it's hard to say there's a strength and i do think they can stretch the field uh, Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims, the rookie out of Baylor, are both fast guys, and they've shown an ability to stretch the field. And part of the story of the Jets' offense this year is, you know, their their top three wide receivers that going into training camp were going to be Brashad Perriman, and they signed as a free agent, kind of to replace Robbie Anderson. Denzel Mims, who they drafted in the second round out of Baylor, and Jamison Crowder, their slot receiver. Those three guys were all on the field together until November. Um, one of them was always hurt. So that's been part of the problem. And, you know, now we've seen them together, and it, it does look a little bit different with them, and there have been some more explosive plays out of, out of the offense with those guys on the field. 
So I do think they, they can stretch the field, uh, you know, in the right situation with Perriman and, and Mims especially. Now, I don't watch the Jets on a week-to-week basis, but I, I do think it's fair to say that there are a couple uh, guys on the roster that are, are young and, and could be some building blocks mm-hmm. for them. Mekhi Becton, the offensive tackle. Yeah. You mentioned Denzel Mims, the receiver, and I think an obvious one uh, is, is the defensive tackle, Quinnen Williams. Talk to us a little bit about Williams, his his growth this year, and what he does well for the Jets' defense. Yeah, and Becton, if you were going to ask me the bright spot, Becton would have been the bright spot on offense. Because you know, I do think you're right. He's, he's a building block. And Quinn Williams, you know, number three pick uh, in 2019 out of Alabama, he uh, he had a high ankle sprain in the rookie year, and I think that kind of hindered him. And a lot of people didn't see what they thought they'd see out of the number three pick. But this year, he's come on. He's very good against the run. Very stout at the line, and he, he can penetrate. Uh, he is getting some more pressure on the quarterback now. I mean, he's not Aaron Donald, but he's he's making some plays. He's explosive. He had a, he had a really good game. Probably his best game of his career last week against the Dolphins. Uh, he forced a fumble. He had a sack. Uh, he, he was in the backfield a lot of the day. So he's the guy, you know, I'm sure the Raiders offensive staff, there's not a lot to fear on the Jets, but when the Raiders offensive staff, number 95 is the guy that probably saying we have to double him. You got to double him all the time because he's really the only guy on the Jets front that can kind of, you know, wreck your game. He can get in there and, and cause havoc. So I'm sure they're they're going to be focused on him a lot. I've got just one for, one more for you, Brian. Uh, the run defense uh, for the Jets is, is actually just outside the top ten. They're ranked 11th mm-hmm. in, in yards per game allowed. Uh, now their their big problems for them are defending teams through the air. Could you could you talk to yeah. us about some of those issues with the secondary? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you the names in the secondary and see if you've heard of any of them. Um, your starting cornerback Sunday for the Jets will be Lamar Jackson, and, you know, that's not that Lamar Jackson. The quarterback? <laughs> the quarterback for the Ravens? I... <laughs> he, Lamar Jackson is an undrafted free agent out of Nebraska, so he's, you know, he is not never supposed to play this year, never mind, you know, start. So he's starting Bryce Hall, who's a fifth-round pick out of Virginia, um, who he had a an really bad ankle injury last year in college, and he uh, he missed a lot of this year and just started playing a few weeks ago. So he's starting, and then at safety's Marcus May, who you may have heard of. He's been there a while, and then Ashton Davis, who's a rookie at a Cal, who they took in the third round. So you got three rookies if you're counting at home starting in the secondary. So you know, if I'm John Gruden, and I know there was, I, I don't know what if they said Josh Jacobs' status yet. But, like, there's no way I'd play Josh Jacobs on Sunday if I'm John Gruden. Like, rest him up. You do not you do not need to run the ball. Like, throw the ball all day long on the Jets. Like, I, I kind of, the last few weeks, I've been puzzled at the Chargers and Dolphins, like, why they've bothered to roam. <laughs> because the only time that you should be running against the Jets is when you're running at the clock. And But, like, er, you know, when you're still trying to put up points, just throw on them. Because... Greg Williams, he can't even do like what he's known for. He's known for blitzing and playing. He is playing a soft zone most of the time. Um, you know, he's afraid to blitz because he doesn't trust his cornerbacks. So this should be a very big game for Derek Carr at the uh, passing offense of the Raiders. That is beat writer for the New York Jets, Brian Costello, who covers the team for the New York Post. Brian, thanks so much for your time, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the game on Sunday and stay strong. There's only a, a few more weeks left of this this tough season for you. All right. Thanks, Evan. Thanks for having me. Big thanks again to our guest this week, 
Brian Costello from the New York Post, and I think he painted a pretty bleak picture there for the Jets. You heard him. He does not feel this Jets team does anything very well, offense or defense. He expects a very big game from Derek Carr, and I thought it was an interesting uh, perspective from him being an opposing team's beat writer. He doesn't even feel it's necessary for John Gruden to go out there and play Josh Jacobs. He thinks it would be wise by the Raiders to just rest him. Again, I thought that was that was pretty interesting from him. All right, guys, that does do it for this week. Thanks for tuning in again. Please give me a follow on Twitter at egrope 5 if you don't already do so. Also, if you're a new listener to the show, make sure you go out there and click subscribe as well. I'd love to have you on board for the long haul. You can expect to hear from me on Monday night. As always, with the recap episode, hopefully it's the start of several more Victory Raider podcasts here on Just Pod Baby. Enjoy your weekend, everybody, and as always, just win, baby.